Bradaloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 1,256. The uh, the rare date of Feb 29, 2024, 61 degrees on this day in year 2000. And it was 10 below on this day in 1884. Hail the flashlight, King. Hail you! And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Chris Reavers manning Technology Corner, Kenny Olson from the Krabby Coffee Shop, John Height in the newsroom, and of course, the rookie. Here is your flashlight, King. Fireworks Commissioner and the Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Sushir. We're joined in the studio by Dan McGrath, who is an election... How'd you become an election guru, savant, uh, expert? Uh, well, it was never my intention. I was hired to do some writing and research at a nonprofit organization called Minnesota Majority back yeah. in 2007. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the summer of 2008, one of my projects I was working on was just doing survey calls of registered voters on the issues that were important to them for that election year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our surveys, uh, our our volunteers who were conducting the surveys kept coming up to me after making a call and saying, well, this is weird. Uh, They answered the phone and said the guy I'm calling died 10 years ago, but Mm -hmm. according to the voter registration files that we were using to make the calls, he voted in the last election. Okay. So... With a large data set like the statewide voter, voter registration system, there are going to be some errors. That just happens. Right. To be expected. But there were so many of them over the course of this project that we became concerned. All right. You authored a book called The Voter Fraud Manual. Yes, You've I did. contributed to books written by uh, John Fund of the Wall Street Journal, for example. Yes. Uh, and what, if you had to define what you do for a living, what would it be? Um, well... <laughs> I've I've been a nonprofit executive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been a communications director. Uh, right now, I'm self-employed as far as politics go. Right. Uh, I run a couple of websites. Uh, everything I'm going to talk about about today is uh, available at electionintegritywatch.org. So okay. there's uh, documentation of everything I'll discuss right at that website. And you're a GLer. Absolutely, I've been listening since the '90s. In fact, this is the first show I ever called for really? a radio show. Really. Yeah. Well, here's then you know perfectly well that the the GL operating theme, uh, and it needs it needs it needs your clarification. I just think that voting used to be a charming, rock solid demonstration of America uh, when we were either honored or had the privilege to go to the polls and vote, and it was simple. It was understandable, and then something happened. Uh, it got all bollocksed up, and, and to me, it's terribly confusing. And and people say, well, all of all of what's happened has been to make it easier for people to vote, which I've always contested. There are some exceptions, but how easy are you supposed to make it? And that's the GL theory. What the hell happened? Well, yeah, that's the eternal argument in the election integrity debate is easy to vote or hard to cheat. Mm-hmm. Now, it's my opinion that you can do both. You can make it easy to vote. It's already easy to vote. You know this. We mm-hmm. all know this. Yeah. Uh, but it's not hard to cheat in Minnesota. And over the years, um, it wasn't a sudden thing. It's been a gradual encroachment on the integrity of our election system where every single legislative session, the Secretary of State's office usually brings forward a bill that's like a housekeeping bill. 
technical changes to keep up with the times, to keep up with new technology that's been introduced or whatever. But in those bills, they always include some way to loosen up some nut or bolt that was put in place to ensure the integrity of our election process. Mm -hmm. So gradually over many, many years, ever since Mary Kiffmeyer left the Secretary of State's office Mm -hmm. and Mark Ritchie was elected, and he was the poster child of George Soros' project, Secretary of State project. Mm -hmm. So they, and what was the purpose of that project by so George Soros? The Secretary of State project, George Soros figured out that um, it's expensive to run an election campaign for congressmen and, and senators and for president, but an overlooked office that's in charge of elections is the Secretaries of State's offices mm-hmm. across the country. So he funded the election of candidates, very, very progressive candidates in many states, and Mark Ritchie was his first success. Mm-hmm. Uh, so George Soros' money was largely behind putting him in office, and they had an agenda. And the agenda was to loosen up our election system in the Why? way that they have progressively done. Well, I believe they think it's to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just that simple. Um, so we, <laughs> when we were attempting to amend Minnesota's constitution to get um, voter ID required for everybody to vote. Right. That, that, tell that story. That's interesting. Well, what I heard all the time on the campaign trail— uh, trying to get that ratified. And this is recently. This is 2012. 2012. Dayton, yep. Dayton was president. Uh, I'm sorry. Mark Dayton was Thankfully, governor. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, uh, he hadn't made it that far. Dayton up the was governor. Yet. He was. Uh, yes. So we, we had um, that year drafted a pretty extensive election reform bill on the Republican side, which usually doesn't happen. Election bills almost always come from the Democrat side. Right. But we had an 83-page bill that was designed to introduce a photo ID requirement, along with a lot of updates that would require um, electronic poll books in the polling place for instant verification of a voter's eligibility and to speed up the lines and the help registration process. Um, ultimately, it was passed by both chambers of the legislature, but Governor of Dayton vetoed it. Why? Uh, he said it didn't have broad bipartisan support. Which it sounds like it did. Um, well, it it didn't. Okay. <laughs> it passed on a pretty much party-line vote. We believed we were going to have some Democrats vote for it in the House, but in the end, they got their arms twisted, and they didn't end up voting for it. Uh, so it was a partisan bill, uh, and the standard at that time had been set by Governor Tim Pawlenty, who said he wouldn't sign any election bill that didn't have broad bi- bipartisan support. Mm-hmm. So Mark Dayton just echoed those words, okay. and that was his excuse to veto the bill. But we had a majority in the in the legislature in both the House and the Senate that year, so we were able to get a constitutional amendment put put together for the following election cycle in 2012. So we did that. Uh, and in, in the course of that campaign, I kept hearing from the other side that this is a solution in search of a problem. Mm-hmm. So they're saying, well, you're trying to fix a problem that isn't there. And this is what you're saying about our election systems now, right? It's not broken when they keep trying to fix it. Yeah, we're fixing something that was never broken. Well, right. And all, I mean, always, if you go back into American history, we can find problems. Right, well, I can tell not, you about a lot of them. Sure, right, sure. Right. And, there, and, and it's not just in history. They're still going on. Some of the things, some of the more egregious things from the past mm-hmm. are being replicated in our modern era. Mm-hmm. Like um, Ike Brown, for example, in Mississippi. It was kind of like um, Boss Hogg from the Dukes of Hazard, right? <laughs> you nice reference. Oh, Love okay. it. <laughs> Let's talk Dukes. Glad, glad Rookie likes to reference any <laughs> TV pop culture from the 70s and 80s, right? Yes. yes. Um, so I mean, Boss Hogg, when you watch that show, it looks ridiculous. You couldn't believe that just one guy could be in charge of a whole county and run up in such a corrupt manner. Mm-hmm. But it happens. Mm-hmm. It absolutely happens. And that was the case of Ike Brown in Mississippi 
who was finally ousted from his position being in charge of primary elections in uh, Noxubee County mm-hmm. after just decades of corruption, where he was um, placing his men in polling places to provide voter assistance, quote unquote, mm-hmm. to people. So he would go, he would send his goons into the voting booth with people that came in to make sure they voted the right way. Mm-hmm. Where's the fail safe for that, though? Shouldn't there always be a fail-safe that that can't happen? Well, there should be, and a big part of it is you're supposed to have bipartisan observers in polling places. And in Minnesota, we have had that pretty effectively up until recently. When, when we have one day of voting, then it's possible for the political parties to get volunteers to go and watch all the polling places to call uh, poll challengers. Mm-hmm. And when you stretch it out over two weeks... And you're asking people to volunteer to be at polling places that sometimes are temporary and have different hours. They just pop up randomly. It's impossible to staff these poll challengers in our polling places for early voting. So they've they've eliminated basically the opportunity for the parties to be observers in the election process. Let's stick to Minnesota. Okay. Is there a problem right now in Minnesota? Huge problem. What is it? Um, so if you just look at the the system that we have, that is a combination of no photo ID required right. to register or to vote and Election Day registration. You can register to vote on Election Day in Minnesota. Why is, Never, that, is that a bad thing? Well, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but it's in how you do it. Okay. Uh, our, our state, unlike 44 other states in the country, doesn't use provisional ballots. Now, provisional ballots are required by federal law unless you have a really weird election system in your state, which we do. So we get an exemption from provisional ballots. What those are is a second chance ballot. Mm-hmm. If you show up and you don't have ID or you can't prove that you live in the precinct or something like that, the provisional ballot would be a way for you to vote and then have it verified later. So if you can come back later and show ID, then your vote would end up getting counted. But it's set aside until they verify that you are who you say you are and that you're eligible. We don't do that. So with election day registration, there is no way to verify anything about a voter until long after their vote has been cast. All right. So we have same-day registration. We do, and no identification is required to register on election day. All you need is someone to vouch for you. You get someone in the precinct, hey, can you vouch for me? But the person vouching for you has to demonstrate they're in the precinct. The person vouching for you has to be registered in that precinct. All right. Um, But... We've seen this process abused deliberately and uh, on an industrial scale in the past. Uh, America coming together, students organizing for America, the Wellstone campaign have all been observed planting people in polling places wearing name tags that identify them as someone that will vouch for you. Mm-hmm. Now, if uh, I have a part-time job. I work evenings as a chauffeur. Mm-hmm. And when I go to the airport and I want to meet somebody... I hold up a sign so they can find me. Mm-hmm. But if I know who I'm picking up at the airport, I don't need that sign, do mm-hmm. I? So I'm going to recognize the person. So why would you need a name tag to identify yourself as a vouch person if mm-hmm. you're vouching for people that you know? Mm-hmm. So it becomes pretty obvious there that the scam is they're just going to vouch for strangers, oh. which is illegal. So it's a felony, but these organizations got away with it for, for decades. Like mm-hmm. this, this goes back to at least as far back as Wellstone, probably further, because... The system is ripe for abuse when you combine election day registration with vouching. That's where the big problem comes in. Now, I am a person who really likes to have concrete numbers. I like proof. I like evidence. Mm -hmm. When people start running around saying, I have absolute proof of a stolen election, you better have some absolute proof. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'm going to discount that. Uh, 
after the 2008 election, for example, we obtained a copy of the statewide voter registration system with some additional data and analyzed it and found that over 6,000 election day registrants in that very momentous election when um, Franken beat Norm Coleman by 312 votes in the end, Mm -hmm. 6,000 election day registrants provided addresses that didn't check out after the fact. Mm -hmm. So they mailed them postcards to verify their address, and they came back as undeliverable mail. We sent volunteers around to go and investigate those properties, and we found parks, warehouses, uh, industrial facilities. Wow. Uh, they were non-residential addresses in many cases. Where are you on the uh, Trump belief that he was, that the election was rigged for Biden? Where are you on that? Well, that's where I'm talking about evidence. Mm-hmm. I want to see solid evidence. Now, I haven't done there the research any. for a nationwide right. election. If I look at the numbers and I say, you know, is it likely that Joe Biden got more votes for president than anyone in history? Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem likely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's probably some problems there, and I know our elections are holy. There there are gaps in the security of our system. So fraud, fraud happened. Mm-hmm. Sure. How much fraud? Mm-hmm. Was there enough fraud to... Uh, manipulate the results of the Electoral College? Mm-hmm. No idea. Mm-hmm. And and at this point, I mean, the, the, the amount of research it would take to figure that out with certainty is mm-hmm. astronomical. So I would never... Uh... <laughs> but Dan, yeah. based upon what you've just told us in the first 12 minutes, wouldn't it be safe to assume that it's probably not just happening here? No, Minnesota? absolutely not. No, it's happening everywhere, for sure. But Minnesota's but based one of the upon the, the, uh, the most recent presidential election, I guess is what I was referring to. Would it be a safe assumption to say? Because you said the, the, the lack of evidence, I guess. Uh, yeah, what happens in Minnesota certainly is happening elsewhere. Oh my God. No question. Uh, but our, we remember we're close to the bottom of the list for election integrity. So some states have much better systems than we have. Uh, now, what I advocate for is replacing our election day registration system with one that uses the computer technology that we now have in a lot of polling places. Have you guys voted with poll books? Where you just, yes. You know, instead of the old roster books, they had to flip through and sign on the line. That's what I still do. Really? Yeah. You still have a roster? Have yeah. you seen the poll yeah. books? Well, yeah. okay. well, electronic poll books are deployed in most places around the state now. And they have the capability of using those, so you can just swipe your ID on it. Mm-hmm. It'll validate your identification instantly that it's a real, real ID. I don't have that. No. And uh, it has the capability then of instantly verifying that you're not on any lists of challenged voters, like the people who had their postcards returned as undeliverable. They're put on a list to be challenged for the next election. Prior to this past legislative session, if you were convicted of a felony, you were going to be ineligible to vote until you were off paper. So if you were or non-citizens or if you've been adjudicated by a court as being uh, mentally incompetent to vote, they can have a list loaded into the computers that instantly checks. Mm. Is this guy eligible? Is his ID valid? And uh, that would really do a lot to uh, make our Election Day registration more secure. Are both parties involved in mischief? Yes. Yes. Um, Then why do we always lose? (laughs) (laughs) I would say, well, here's the problem that we have. Do we want to live in a society where we're governed by the party that cheats the best? Because we are. Uh, I would say, yeah, some Republicans cheat and sometimes they get caught. But my experience, this is not coming from a place of partisanship. This is my God's Honest observation. Mm -hmm. The majority of this comes from the left, especially Mm -hmm. on the industrial scale. Mm. When I was talking about the vouching vouching fraud that was done with people wearing name tags Mm -hmm. in the polling place, American Coming Together, left-wing organization funded by George Soros, by Mm -hmm. the way, 
Uh, the Wellstone campaign, of course, that's a Democrat campaign. Now, I don't, I don't think the Wellstone himself was a particularly, you know, corrupt person. He, mm -hmm. I think he was a very, very honest man, mm -hmm. but he had people working for him that probably weren't. Mm -hmm. uh, because that's part of the Democrat machine. This is just how they operate, and that's why they oppose so vehemently measures like photo ID. What? Why? Why oppose photo ID? Well, as I say, that's the reason. Uh, the real reason is because they believe they benefit from the status quo. Um, the scam that America pulling to, or America coming together pulled with their vouchers in the polling place wouldn't work anymore if you had an ID requirement. Um, you know, of course, they, they make excuses, but I find the excuses offensive. What so world does George Soros want? What, what is his end game? Well, uh, it appears that he wants chaos. What, how would that benefit to become even more enriched by capitalizing it and buying up the dollar when it's all when we're in chaos? Yeah, I think I mean, he's already. I don't know how much money he can take. I think there's um, both economic gain and political gain uh, to be had with chaos in uh, in any country that you want to uh, foment. It I bet in. you'd end up with a lousy country. <laughs> well, for us. For right. the regular guys. For right. the guys that live in the gated communities and fly around in Gulf Streams, they're not going to be noticing that. Okay. They live in a whole different world. Yeah. So, yeah, no problem to them. They don't care what happens to us. What if I vote for a guy? What if I've already voted for Biden and uh, he dies between now and the election? Do I get to vote again? Well, that's part of the problem with, um, with early voting. Oh, it's a terrible problem. <laughs> the new information can come to light. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe a scandal. Yeah, mm -hmm. maybe the candidate died. Once with early voting, once your ballot is in the system, it's counted instantly. There's no retrieving it. So if new information comes to light on election day. You, not all voters are voting with the same information. Basically, um, I see that as as a problem. But another problem with um, early voting is we eliminate that partisan oversight. There are no citizen election judges anymore. Mm -hmm. There are no partisan or candidate poll challengers in the polling place monitoring what's going on. It's just not possible. It's too too widespread mm -hmm. to, to cover all those positions. So you end up with uh, our government being in charge of counting our ballots, and that's a very un-American way to go about our democracy. Dictatorships use centralized vote counting, where they can monitor in, internally and control all the, the results. In an open democracy, our citizens do the counting and the tallying and the verifying and the observing, and we have bipartisan observation of everything's going on so we can all say there's no shenanigans so we agree there's no shenanigans because i was there watching and you were there watching and we both know and that's eliminated with um early voting early eliminates voting. that it does now absentee voting is a little bit different it used to be that if you submitted an absentee ballot and changed your mind you could show up in the polling place and override your ballot but that all changed after the coleman franken election in 2008 because absentee ballots were a big part of what flipped that so they decided we're not going to count absentee ballots in the polling places anymore. We're going to centralize that. And they created these ballot boards, which is a whole other fixing a problem that, that wasn't there. Uh, it creates more complexity, more opacity, and, uh, and eliminates the ability in many cases for 
um, citizen oversight. Can you stay with us through this break? Absolutely. We're with Dan McGrath. We'll be back in just a moment. You know, based upon the first 19 and a half minutes, I can't wait to send the government more money. Um, So that's why I urge you, like three-fifths of the GL staff, to contact Linda Keller and Keller Tax Services. If you go to her website, kellertaxservice.com, there you can book your appointment, but you can also get updated on all the latest and the greatest uh, updates as far as tax information. And it doesn't matter. Whether you are a business owner, an individual, it doesn't matter. She takes care of all types of returns for all types of people, including people that don't even live in the state of Minnesota. Yes, if you're a GLer and you live in Phoenix or whatever, Linda can take care of you. So please do me a favor. Book your appointment today or just reach out to her if you have any type of tax questions. KellerTaxService.com. Book that appointment and please let her know that you heard about her here on the Garage Logic Podcast. Truth, Justice, and the Souchery. You'll always get a little something, something extra from Rich at Maple Grove Lock and Safe when you purchase the world's best safe, the Liberty. And you don't need a coupon here. There's no secret handshake or a backroom deal. Just stroll on in, boldly stroll in, and tell Rich that you're a resident of Gumption County. Next thing you know, you're going to be set up with something you absolutely need, like free installation of an electrical accessory kit. You buy it, Rich slaps it in for free, no big deal. And then no matter what else is going on in the showroom there, no matter what the other sales are rich will always give glers 15 percent off liberty quick combination and key vaults every home that has a handgun needs one of these you can get into them really quick um and i'm talking two different kinds here quick combination or key vaults you need those liberty safe of course the best made right here in the u.s best warranty in the business best personal security protection in the country log on to maplegrovelockandsafe.com Take the test. You're going to find out which safe serves you the best. Then get a hold of Rich. Uh, you can call him on the phone if you wish. That's a bit old school, but it's okay. 763-328-0628. Stop in. The shop, easy to find, 6901 East Fish Lake Road. But get the whole thing started. The process started the ball rolling by going to maplegrovelockandsafe.com. We're with Dan McGrath, and he's been invited in because we've driven him crazy <laughs> as, he, as he has listened to the show over the years. He's the author of the Voter Fraud Manual. He has been communications director for Minnesota Voters Alliance. He has lobbied and testified before the legislature. And uh, I'm hearing from you, Dan, absolutely nothing hopeful. So thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, uh, that puts me on the spot to try to come up with something positive, I suppose. Um, I do believe that when I go to the polls on Election Day and I make my vote and I slip it into the machine there, I believe that's counted. I believe that. Well, I do too. Yeah. But it may be diluted. That's what I'm I'm now hearing. I feel like I need to take a shower. Uh, well, it is it is a pretty dirty business uh, elections in our country, um, particularly in Minnesota. Um, you know, we always hear about the dead voting in Chicago and things mm-hmm. like that, but I I would um, contend that Minnesota is much much worse 
than Illinois has ever been. Wow. For our election system. Um, so we got and that we going have a, so a giant, going for us. We have a giant problem with transparency as well. Now, the, the research that we did to find the PVC card returns, and then before that, we discovered ineligible felons and voted over 1,000 in the 2008 election. Remember, Colin Franken was decided by 312 votes. So we got 1,000 ineligible felons voting and 6,000 people used addresses that didn't check out after the fact. It becomes pretty apparent that that election could have gone the other way mm-hmm. without some shenanigans. And that election ended the filibuster of Obamacare mm-hmm. and brought that into being. It wouldn't have been. If Coleman had been reelected, Obamacare wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. So it's very momentous, a very, very significant result uh, with profound consequences to the country from that one election that was decided by 312 votes. So even if voter fraud is small number overall, it can have these impacts. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of look at it as um, the house advantage. When you go to Vegas, if you're playing blackjack, the, the house advantage in that is only about a half percent to one and a half percent or something like that. Mm-hmm. But on that tiny little sliver of a margin, they've built those palaces on the strip. Right. You know, they didn't build all those huge casino hotels with fountains and fireworks and holograms and whatever. By losing mm-hmm. that little that little margin is enough to make the difference over time with enough transactions. So even if fraud is a small number, the side that cheats the best is going to end up winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why we have to really squash it, bring it down to the minimum we possibly can. John Hyde, Dan, I got a question for you. Uh, does in your the way you look at elections and the way you look at these things, does do people who over amplify stuff? That maybe isn't true is the best way I'll put it. And I'm thinking, of course, of Donald Trump, Kerry Lake, et cetera. Does that cause harm or does it help what we're trying to fix? It causes harm. If, you, if you're if uh, you an amateur voter fraud investigator, which I once was when I first began this, <laughs> I made some mistakes. Mm-hmm. I analyzed data incorrectly. I went to the press with things that were wrong and it was embarrassing and it was harmful to the cause overall. Now, that was a learning experience for me, and I learned to be very, very careful with my data, double-check, triple-check, everything, rock-solid before I release anything to the public. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I think if you if you come out with, uh, if you're crying wolf over something that you think looks suspicious, mm-hmm. if you don't really understand the election system well enough, if you don't understand the data you're dealing with, you absolutely can do harm yeah. to my cause of trying to improve the integrity of our elections because then people poo-poo these efforts to, like, mm-hmm. enact photo ID. Yeah, common sense yeah it, it comes across as people throwing stuff at the wall just yeah. to see what sticks, I think. And I'm not just, I am talking about those two specifically, but also it happened in 2016. The Democrats did the same thing to some extent uh, with the Hillary Clinton thing. Yeah, it's funny uh, how the losers always complain about <laughs> Well, there you problems. go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right, but sometimes it's true. Yeah. Voter so, ID uh, solve integrity problems? It solves a lot. Uh, I think that's the first step. First thing you got to do is identify who the voter is. And then that enables us to do these kind of checks to see, are they also eligible? Do they live in the precinct that they say they live in? They're not bouncing around from place to place and trying to cast more than one ballot. It's all tied to identity first. It's it's terribly terribly obvious that the resistance to the voter ID is to benefit the party in power. That's exactly how I see it. Now, the other side has said, they've come up with these nonsensical excuses for why they oppose it, because they have to have some reason to say to the public, right? So they say, well, voter ID is racist. It's going to suppress African-American voters. How? How? Well, this this shows their racism. Everybody (laughs) can have a—everybody 
can't have an ID. Of course. It's not difficult to get. And with the voter ID amendment, well, the Supreme Court, when the Supreme Court weighed in on Indiana's voter ID law, Mm -hmm. they found it perfectly constitutional as long as identification would be provided at no charge to voters. Otherwise, it could be construed as a poll tax if you have to pay to get something to vote. Right. So uh, every state in the country that has a voter ID law also requires free identification to be made available. And Minnesota's proposed uh, House File 210 in 20, um, 2011 and the voter ID amendment in 2012 provided that free identification. Now, if you're in a situation where ID is hard to get, mm-hmm. getting one is going to help you. Mm-hmm. It will help you get a job, open a bank account, rent an apartment, whatever. If you don't have ID, you need it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't get by in society without it. And the idea that you know a certain race of people is less capable of getting ID is just offensive on its face. Yes, it is. But that's what they presented as their main argument against it. How many states have voter ID laws? Um, it varies the degree, like how strict they are, but 34 have some kind of ID law. And we have zero. Right, exactly. No requirement at all. Now, we've got, we have the appearance of it. Now, this is where uh, John Height and I had kind of a, a lengthy, <laughs> I won't say argument, we had a discussion uh-huh. uh, about this. Um, See, he had presented, this is what first raised my ire, the, the notion that you do need ID in Minnesota at least to register to vote. Mm-hmm. And it looks like that if you just read the, the literature. Mm-hmm. It says to register to vote, show your photo ID, and mm-hmm. then when you show up to vote, you don't necessarily need ID again, but you did to register. Right. But the trick is, unless, show your ID unless you don't have one. Mm-hmm. And then there's no further requirement except for someone to say, yeah, that's Joe, I know him. Oh. He's my neighbor. Wow. Thus, the verification thing you were talking about earlier. Well, yeah, first photo ID yep. or some kind of way to identify a person. I don't care if we go like biometric, let's scan a retina and it's in a database or use a thumbprint, something like that. Some way to identify who the voter is, facial scan, whatever. Oh, my God. I'm just waving behind <laughs> you, Dan. <laughs> ID, so, ID is the simplest thing that's what we're all familiar with using. When you get on a plane, you got to show ID. I need one uh, to drive a car. Right. Yeah. Cash a check. Kenny, buy beer. I'm always looking for hope, and this discussion leaves me with no hope. Um, and the tendency for people like me would be to say, well, what's the point of even voting? But I think that's 100% wrong, and we need to go the other way, and we need to overwhelm the polls with voters. The only way to fight back is to get at the lazy voters, the ones who might not vote, the ones that have lost hope. We somehow have to present hope to these people and absolutely overwhelm the polling places. I don't see what else we could do, Dan. That's a pretty common response to the situation. Um, I think we've got a pretty big hurdle to overcome. And I hate, I'm not trying to discourage anyone from voting. I know there are some people that don't like my message because they fear that it will discourage Republicans from voting and it could hurt their candidates. That's not what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to go vote. You're right. We need to get out and overwhelm the system. It's probably a big hurdle to overcome. I used to figure that election fraud was somewhere in the two to maybe 10% tops range mm-hmm. until the Rasmussen reports came out with the survey on people who used um, mail-in voting in the last election and found that one in five mail-in voters admitted in their survey to violating election laws. Mm-hmm. So that was a pretty concerning number, 20%. Now, some of those were probably just people didn't know that they were breaking the law when they did it. 
uh, like they uh, signed a ballot for their spouse or something when they mm-hmm. you know forged a signature or whatever. So it, it might be kind of on the minor end of the fraud scale, but it's an indicator that there's a problem uh, with mail-in ballots there. And that's what the bipartisan uh, Carter-Baker Commission found back in well, 2005, I think. Mm-hmm. That was a bipartisan organization that was set up by um, James Baker, uh, former Republican Secretary of State, and Democrat President Jimmy Carter. And they concluded together that mail-in votes were the biggest uh, source of potential fraud in our election mm. system. Wow. So, uh, But, um, yeah, overwhelming it for sure. And uh, I actually see hope every time I get a chance to get this message out and help people understand how severe our problems are in Minnesota, I think it gives us a chance to fix it. Because a lot of people have this attitude like, well, it can't be that bad. You know, I'll just mm-hmm. keep voting like I've always voted and everything seems fine. But when our legislators understand how severe it is, Perhaps we can convince them to not pass anything until they get some improvements on our election system. That's what we need to do, is get our legislators to boycott any new election legislation at all, unless it includes photo ID. Just don't say yes to anything. Kenny? Soros, evil, diabolical, and absolute genius, um, especially in regard to the Secretary of State project. Is there a chance or has there ever been an attempt from conservatives to adopt the same kind of Secretary of State policy? None that I'm aware of, no. I would also say the left is really good at this. They are. They are really good at politics. They're really well practiced good. at it. You know, the Democrat Party has got a long association with unions. Mm-hmm. And unions, when it comes to voting, have got a pretty shady record mm-hmm. uh, themselves. I remember, um, I think it was SEIU just a few years ago, were trying to eliminate the secret ballot in uh, unionization elections. Mm-hmm. So then they would know who voted no on unionization. Mm-hmm. Now, why would they want that information, do you suppose? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and that's the kind of people that we're dealing with here. Um, any, any way to win, any way to win is what it comes down to. It seems to me that what you're offering is the, and you just said it, no voting legislation anymore unless it includes voter ID. Right. And like I said, every single legislative session, the Secretary of State comes to the legislature with a big list of things that he wants done. Mm-hmm. You're going to tell him, no, you don't get a thing on that list until we get photo ID. But you got a stacked Senate, stacked House, and a stacked governor. What chance do you have of that? Well, I mean, right now things do look pretty dire. But this is the strategy, I believe, um, is to try our best to shut everything down. No agreement on anything until we get photo ID. Because... We have a system here right now in Minnesota, we, on the left and on the right, can't even agree on what a fair election looks like. Mm -hmm. We have completely different opposing viewpoints on how the election system should run. Not that long ago, there was bipartisan agreement on what it should be. And that's the Carter-Baker Commission, for example. Bipartisan report came out, and everyone pretty much was on that page at that time. But ever since then, we've been gradually drifting towards ease of access and away from integrity, where we need to have both. And it's not hard to have both. We can have both. I'm willing to compromise. We never even used to know who the Secretary of State was. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) It it only became a really charged political office uh, after Soros. And, of course, anytime there's a recount going on, then that becomes very important. All right. I have a two-part question that's going to go on like a rookie, Ed, but just bear with me. So... Is it safe to assume that when a city declares itself a sanctuary city, there's some voting 
uh, shenanigans probably behind it. That, that's my words, not yours. But also, what in the hell is going to happen come this November if all of what you're saying is going to play out the way it's going to play out? Dear well, God. There absolutely will be more non-citizens participating in our election system. Now, we hear all the time from the people who are advocates of open borders, don't worry, these people aren't allowed to vote. They're not going to vote. But this very same group of people is out there in New York and other places creating laws that allow them to vote, at least in the local elections. So their goal is to have these people vote. Do they vote now? Yes. The, the data shows that in the last few elections in the neighborhood of 600,000 non-citizens have participated nationally in our election systems illegally. In Minnesota, could, uh, could I drag an illegal alien into the polling place and vouch for him? And Super. Let, and Easy. They, yeah. And they'd vote. Yes. Absolutely. No problem. And well, you then, can do it. We're, we're F. You could do it more than once. You can send that same person around from polling place to polling place and find their vouch person there. The Roycey rule. The trick, the trick, if you're going to do this, I don't want to do this. The voter fraud manual will instruct you on how to get away with voter fraud. I tell everyone, please don't use this to actually do it. But I'll tell you how. You just don't use your real name. That's it. Because there's no ID required. So you walk into a polling place, you get someone to vouch for you, and you say, I'm Mickey Mouse. You move on to the next polling place. I'm Goofy. Next one, I'm Pluto. And I can register and vote multiple times that day, nothing's going to stop me. After the election, my ballot's already been counted, they're going to mail out those PVC cards, and they're going to find out that there is no Pluto living at 123 Main Street, and they're going to flag him to be challenged in the next election, but my ballot's but already counted. The damage is already done. Right. And there's and no way, there's no way they're going to find Dan McGrath because they're looking for a guy named Pluto. Wow. This is a George Soros long game. He <coughs> started this and started talking about it in 2016. And it's happening now in 2024. Right. Well, he's been at it for longer than that because America Coming Together uh, was doing this in the 2004 election. Uh, they had the vouching fraud scam going on with the people with the name tags, and that was a George Soros-funded project. So it's it a longer game even than you think. <laughs> We're a long wow. way from hanging chads, aren't we? <laughs> I remember that, and that that's, that that seems quaint by comparison to what we're dealing with in Minnesota. And this is all this all disturbs me because before I accidentally stumbled into this, like yourself, I thought it was a grand tradition to show up on. Election day to my polling place and show my ID and vote or, you know, even if I had someone vouch for me. It never occurred to me that there was a problem <coughs> with our system before. I just trusted it. And unfortunately now um, I can't. I can't trust it. Not the way it is. We need some serious reforms. Uh, COVID really amplified the, the nature of the problems that we had because they passed all huh. kinds of things by consent decree without the legislature to loosen up our system even more. <laughs> Was there nice. any going on from an election Great. standpoint right before, right after COVID? I'm sorry. Like what? a presidential election? That's a, I'm sorry. <laughs> you talking about 2020. I, I, 2020, I'm, there was a pretty major election going yeah. on. Yeah. But that's when um, the, uh, the CTCL that was majorly funded by um, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook. What's that mean? The Center for uh, Tech and Civic Life okay. was a nonprofit organization that funneled money directly into the offices of our election administrators. This is private money from big tech left-wing donors that they paid directly to our election offices to run our elections in a specific way. So what they wanted them to do was set up these unmonitored ballot collection boxes for early voting all over the state, but primarily in left-leaning districts. 
and along with the unmonitored ballot collection boxes, you can just bring a stack of ballots and you know, throw them in there. And this was found recently in Bridgeport, Connecticut. The mayor was elected. They threw out the primary election because his staffers were using these unmonitored collection boxes to just stuff hundreds and hundreds of ballots into them uh, wholesale. So under cover of COVID, they said, we need to do this. And they just put them up without any legislative authority. Those ballots were all collected and counted. Uh, at the same time, they had pop-up voting locations where you didn't even know where it might be. It'll show up at a supermarket for a day and then close down and pop up somewhere else. They had a van driving around and just parking like an ice cream truck and saying, bring your ballots. It's a ballot collection van. And they you know, get to pick what neighborhood that it goes in. All that under cover of it's over. COVID. We have to do this for safety uh, so that we don't spread coronavirus. Do you vote in person? I always have voted in person. I've never voted absentee. Are you a Minnesotan? Yep, born and raised here. St. Paul, Twin, Twin Cities? Or? Minneapolis. I went yeah. to South High. Minneapolis. Wait, you don't know that you haven't voted absentee. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I, I have access to the election records, or at least I used to, and uh, yeah, I didn't find anything I, funny with my name going on. I was going to ask you that because, you know, there's always, you had mentioned the, the, the people that were deceased cast a, a cast a ballot or whatever. Is there a way that family can look that up? I mean, is that is that public record? It is. Um, so you can get the public copy of the voter registration system for $46 from the Secretary of State's office. That'll include uh, everybody that's voted in the last four election cycles. So it goes back about eight years, something like that. Uh, you get their name and address, year of birth, and then their method of voting, whether they voted absentee or in person, uh, if they participated in the primary or not. Um, that that data is commonly used by political campaigns to do mailings and to do the phone calls, you know, voter outreach and things like that. Um, we used to get access to an extended version of that data that showed us who was challenged because they were convicted of a felony or because they uh, had a PVC return or whatever. But that challenge data, ever since we released our findings, has been locked down. Secretary of State isn't releasing it anymore. So we've been in a decade-long lawsuit to get access to that public information again. All right, bear with us here for a moment. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. Thank you, Joe Souchere. I need to tell the fine folks that are listening to this tremendous podcast about the good folks at Zero Res. Zero Res is a local company that will come in and they will clean your carpets. They're backed with 17,000 reviews, a 4.9 rating on Google. And during the month of love, which this is the last day on Leap Year Day, they're going to offer you a great deal. The Love Your Rug Special. You could have three rooms, zero resified, starting at just $119. You're going to throw in a free hallway and your air ducts start. Take 75 bucks off and get your air ducts zero res clean. If you're a business owner, well, we'd love to tell you about zero res. Call today for your commercial cleaning estimate. The telephone number is 952-ZEROREZ, or you can go online to zeroresminnesota.com and tell them that you want the rookie Love Your Rug special. It ends today. Call them right now. You'll get the special, and you'll make that appointment. 952-ZEROREZ. Spelled forwards or backwards, spelled exactly the same. Zero res.
you know, the investment game can be awfully tricky, especially in these volatile times. And that's why you need the best and also somebody that you can trust. And that's why I rely on Josh Arnold. We know him as Mr. Money Talk around these parts. And he's here for you. So give him a call today for that free 48-minute no-obligation consultation by dialing 952-925-5608. 952-925-5608. Josh has been at this a long time with a track record of success, and he's here to help you. So give him a call today. No obligation. That's right. No obligation. It's absolutely free. 952-925-5608. And tell him you heard about him here on the Garage Logic Podcast. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Chris Reavers is a paid endorser. Okay. Jesus. Okay. Okay. Hit the power thrust button. It's Joe Sushere. He's a man who spends hours in hardware stores. <laughs> Sifting through the nuts and bolts of life, Joe Souchere. We're with Dan McGrath, and by the way, you're never coming in here again. I'm sorry, Joe. <laughs> you're banned, Dan. This is too much to take. Nice. I'm I mean, sorry. I really want I mean, to hear the come in, We come down here with our chins on our chest anyway, and then you lay this on us. I want to read a paragraph, uh, and then I want to ask you about Steve Simon. In 2011, you spent the entire legislative session working with Representative Mary Kiffmeyer, who had been Secretary of State for eight years and then later a state senator. And you were drafting House File 210. This has been talked about today, but let's review it. House File 210, a comprehensive election reform and voter ID bill that also involved working with attorneys from the state revisor of statutes office and reviewing every single election statute and rule on the books. Yep. 13 chapters of laws and hundreds of rules. You then testified and lobbied for the resulting bill, which was passed by both chambers, but unfortunately vetoed by Governor Dayton. Yes. We now know that you've told us that Governor Dayton vetoed it because he objected to the voter ID part. Well, yes. I mean, it was uh, it was a partisan position, which he just... Um, you and know. he got from... But Palenti had done the same thing, right? Right. Palenti... And to his credit, I think this is important, that if we're going to have an election system, all sides should agree on how it works. Right. Uh, so there shouldn't be partisan election bills, I don't think. I no. Mean, this is something, this is important, <laughs> voter ID. So I might make an exception there. Like, I don't care how we get it done. We get this one done. Uh, but for the You've got for the most no part, shot to get this done with this current crowd. It's yeah, No shot. It's unlikely. But if if we can get one chamber, one vote majority in one chamber, and shut down everything... No more passing election bills. No budget bill until we get voter ID. I think that's the only way to do it. They've got to be just rock solid, unflinching in that. How do you uh, how do you regard uh, the uh, competency level of Steve Simon? Well, competency. I think the guy's very bright. Yeah, I think he's brilliant. He's he's outmaneuvered me a few times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> But I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. In uh, what sense? Um, I I have not found him to be an honest person in my dealings with him. Mm-hmm. And I have been disappointed when after meeting with him in good faith and coming to an agreement on how my organization at the time was lobbying pretty heavily for photo ID and for election integrity. And we had a fair amount of money behind us and influence. 
Uh, so it was important to him to get me on his side for some um, electronic changes they wanted to make with state-to-state um, -state database mm -hmm. comparisons. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if he knew that I was actually in favor of the change that he wanted to make, mm -hmm. but we negotiated, and uh, we got vouching cut down in exchange for my support of the electronic um, uh, registration comparison system that was put up. It's called ERIC. It's Vouching cut down, meaning what? I can vouch for so many people. Right. So prior to that, um, the vouching law allowed one registered voter to vouch for up to 15 other people in his polling place. So you can have a van pull up and vouch for all 15 people in that van. What? We got, it, we got it cut down to eight uh, with this Ugh. negotiation. But there were some changes made that I did not know about and was not aware of. And when Steve Simon went to testify before the legislative committee on the bill, he invoked my name as being in favor of changes that I absolutely had never agreed to. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was I was steaming mad. <laughs> when, what does it currently stand? I can vouch for eight people? Now eight people, yes. Now, Canada has vouching, but you can only do it for one other Voter. Mm -hmm. That seems a little bit more reasonable to me. If you look around the world. I don't think vouching for anyone is reasonable. It's not great. But if you look around the world, like we're the only country really that doesn't have a photo ID requirement to vote. This is a standard thing in every industrialized nation. England, an exception. There's certain parts of England where you don't need photo ID, but all of Europe, Mexico, Canada, they all require ID to vote. And they would think, you know, it's crazy not to. Well, you get far enough out into the U.K. and a little town in Scotland, they all know each other anyway. Well, <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's true in, yeah. in, some, in some of the more quaint areas. Uh, Northern Ireland is an exception where they do require ID there, but you can mm -hmm. see, you know, there's mm -hmm. been a lot of... Um, They've had some trouble. Controversy, yeah. exactly yeah. what they call it, the troubles right. in Northern Ireland. Now, Steve Simon, before he became Secretary of State, had been getting groomed for that position. He was on the Elections Committee. Mm -hmm. So leading up to his election as Secretary of State, I'd been dealing with him on a pretty much daily basis while I was down lobbying the legislature. Mm -hmm. And the guy is charming. He's friendly. Mm -hmm. He always smiles. Uh, and then he stabs you in the back, like mm -hmm. I say. And mm -hmm. he advocates for his horrible... Uh, policies, and he mm -hmm. lies about his reasonings for them, for opposing you know, photo ID. When we um, were unable to get access to the data that we needed to continue our research in this, he, um, we went to court, we sued, we won. Judge Jennifer Frisch said that he has to give us access to the data and found his reasons for not getting it, giving it to us nonsensical. Mm -hmm. Then he appealed, and a tribunal of judges agreed again unanimously that he had to give us the data. Mm -hmm. But he persisted in holding, withholding this data and draining our bank account for mm -hmm. legal fees and lawyers uh, and brought it finally to the state Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And the state Supreme Court agreed with the Secretary of State's position mm -hmm. that he has the right to decide whom to share the data with. Jesus. So if it's someone that's a friend of his, he's allowed to give the data to them. But if he doesn't like you... He doesn't have to give the data to you. And that is the Supreme Court's decision just a couple of years ago. So we're locked out from getting any more of this data to do this was, research. Was that race close, the Simon race? Because I know that he ran against a denier, right? Didn't, what was her name? I can't remember. Oh, it's a, But that particular race was close, was it not? Well, Kim, Kim Crockett. That's it, yeah. Um, Kim Crockett. Recent, most recently ran against Simon. Um, before that... Was it John Howe, I think, okay. was wow. the Republican candidate uh, when he first ran? Because it was going to be an open seat. Richie vacated the seat and left it, left it open. Can you leave us with a ray of hope? <laughs> Hold on. Here's today's ray.
You're on the spot. There we go. <laughs> to balance this out now. Guys, this is my ray of hope that people are learning about the problem, and that's the first step to getting it fixed. So I, I want I want people to contact the legislators and tell them lock it down until we get voter ID, and it's not insurmountable. Um, it's not racist either. <laughs> it certainly isn't in my view. Um, the ray of hope is that we can still overcome this. It's uh, it's a temporary setback for us here in Minnesota. We we can fix it. Did Minnesota ever have voter ID? No, there's never been a requirement to show photo ID in Minnesota. Hmm. And how many states also? Prior to the advent of our electronic uh, voter registration system, we barely kept records <laughs> on wow. people voting uh, anyway. But it was, but kind it was of a more, different world. It people. was more community-based voting right. you know, back then. So, yeah, you knew your neighbors and, and that kind of thing. Uh, it's become more complex. I, I didn't catch that question. Well, Dan, I appreciate your visit. We're, we're going to have to include you now in our database of experts we turn to. Well, you know, I'd be happy to help you out with uh, with anything that I can. Uh, we got to get this. We got to get this fixed. Yeah, don't worry. When we screw it up again, he'll send us emails. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Don't be shy. We'll try not to drive you crazy. <laughs> so, Joe, that, that was maybe a little harsh. No, that was fine. <laughs> no, we're going to lean on you. Yeah, you know, fine. we're going to yeah. lean on you. When so. is your apology to Mr. Pillow? Oh, what are yeah. you talking about? Well, I mean, I'm not apologizing to that screwball. <laughs> oh. I've never brought him up. It's never come up. I, well, no, yes, it's come up during the well, news. It's been, it's been in the news, but... Yeah. I don't have anything to do with it. Okay. No. No. You don't know anything about that. I, I know nothing about it except I, I've never been this down now since. Jeez. <laughs> I believe the word is despondent. Well, this is I'm just, sorry. Joe, can I give you... No, you can't, give, you can't give me a thing. <laughs> He's going to kick you out of this. This has right. nothing to do with elections. Yeah. You really helped me out. You helped my whole family out. Okay. Back in the 90s, we had a fire at our family cabin. Yeah. And because of environmental regulations that have been passed... Before the fire, right? They left us with negative space because we had to be set back from the shoreline and set back from a road so far that it left us no room to rebuild. Right, and it was an outrage to me that this family tradition of ours was gone forever. I wrote you a letter about yeah. it. You read it on the air, and two days later, the Crowing County Board reversed their position. And let us rebuild. Well, what the hell? Who the I, hell did you pay uh, off? I was you worth saved, something. You saved yeah. our cabin. Wonderful. I'm, I'm glad that worked out. Why don't you invite him over for the weekend? Yeah. Come on up. Are you going to bill him for that one? No, I'm not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, right. then you know what? You get this then. Here's today's Here's one. That's what we're looking for. All right. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Thanks, right. guys. So before we uh, head to our break, let's tell you uh, about welter heating. The temperature is going up and it's going down. You don't know whether you need to turn your heating unit on or your air conditioner. Okay, you're not going to turn on your air conditioning, but Welter Heating can get that machine ready for whatever kind of weather is just around the corner. They're a local company serving the Twin Cities metro area for the last 120 years. There's four generations of Welter family, and when you call during business hours, the phone is answered by a human being. 612-825-6867. 612-825-6867. Go to their website, welterheating.com. Click on the blog and you just might have your question answered for free. Uh, there's a Q&A there. It's very helpful if you don't know what you're doing. If it's making funny noises, don't leave it to chance. No rolling dice on this one. You can win. Be a winner. Hit doubles with welterheating.com. That's air condition or heat your shelter with Ray and Welter.
not only is it Positive Thursday, it's a Positive Thursday Leap Day. We've got to make this good because a Positive Thursday Leap Day isn't going to come around again for a long, long time. Schoonover, Michael, on the phone of Schoonover Body Works and Auto Care, uh, Insure View 1060 County E. Anything you need with your ride can be found right there at Schoonover's. Mike, you've been in the shop for a while now, the new the new shop, or you moved in and settled. How's everything going there? You know, Kenny, we're starting to uh, we're starting to get a you know open up open up the throttle a little bit and see what this thing can do, and and uh, we're really liking we're really liking what uh, what's going on. And uh, now we're now we're to the point now that the construction's all done and we're, we we kind of got things in place. Now we're starting to break things and make it better. So we're trying to figure out how we can go from great to greater and uh, and do a better job with the new space that we have. So it's it's a lot of fun. Space management. Uh, are you making the boys walk across to the, the uh, other side of the building just to grab a wrench or uh, a can of something? Or, or do you have everything well laid out for as little movement as possible? That's my problem. I have to walk too far to get to my wrenches. No, I mean, I, I, well, that is one of the things. You know, for for instance, uh, you know, are the welders in the right spot? Where do we, you know, where are we keeping that stuff so that it's efficient and and that type of thing? So. So we're getting kind of nitpicky as to where things should be, so that we can be as productive and uh, and and get everybody get the most out of everybody and get the most out of the equipment. So that is it's ironic that you bring that up because that is a topic of a regular topic of discussion. Yeah, it drives me crazy. One area where I I think you might have made a mistake: uh, the break room. It's it's too nice. It's too comfortable. It'd be too easy to spend a lot of time in the break room. <laughs> well, it's you got to have a comfortable place where people can hang out and, and be together. So <laughs> give nice them a picnic bright. table out back, Mike. Come on. <laughs> well, that look maybe this maybe when the weather gets really really nice, like maybe on Sunday we'll put a picnic table out there. But no, I think we got a couple more months of uh, of uh, cold, wet, wintry type weather. I, I think everybody's gonna. It's going to be nice this weekend, but I think we have winter is still going to be around for a little bit. GLers keeping you busy? They are. They're keeping us very busy. Good, and, good. And we appreciate that very much. And, and um, you know, so many of them are so kind. They come in and they say, and say you know, they ask for me, or, or can I say hey to Mike, or, you know, whatever. And, and it's just, it's... GL is an amazing, amazing place to be. It's it's just wonderful. Here's my advice for GLers. Go ahead and goof off with Mike. Just don't mess with Nikki. We all need her. And uh, just stop it, okay? Leave her alone. Uh, if you need to kill time, talk to Mike. That's my advice. Absolutely. Uh, they are the official body shop of Garage Logic. We're talking Schoonover Body Works and Auto Care. They've been kicking it since 1938 and always rated as one of the Metro's top shops, SchoonoverBodyWorks.com. Runaway <laughs> freight train of depression? Yes. <laughs> oh, you guys. You cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. So we're just not doing Positive Thursday anymore? Is that what I'm pretty sure it's all doing here? I still would like to get a few positive items into the uh, show today, yes. All right. Good, Um, I'll be at the liquor store. (laughs) Yeah.
Here's John Height. Yeah, thank you. I was going to say, I believe I do some news now. Uh, this news will be brought to you by North American Banking Company. And Chris, you were asking about states with uh, no ID requirement to vote. So Correct. I thought I'd do that first, not as a news story, but uh, just to let the folks know. Uh, no ID is required in Washington, Oregon, California, and Nevada in the West, uh, New Mexico, Nebraska, of course, Minnesota, Illinois, Pennsylvania, New York, uh, New Jersey, uh, Massachusetts, Vermont, and Maine. Those are the states. I'm surprised by Nebraska for some reason. Ah, they all know each other. (laughs) What do those, uh, do those states have anything in common? Yeah, they're all pretty, uh, pretty lefty. Hmm. Interesting. I'm sure that's purely a Nebraska is? Nebraska's well, not, yeah, but the rest are. Yeah, but Nebraska's not. Man, I'm going to look up Nebraska election results, just out of curiosity. I just, uh, I just read a book about Charles Starkweather. That was in cold much... blood in Nebraska or Kansas? That was Kansas. That's Kansas, yeah. Starkweather was Nebraska, that's him right. and his girlfriend. That's well, right. I don't know. The purpose of this book was to explain she wasn't really part of it. But anyway, have, you don't want to hear guys, about the book. Have you spent any time in Nebraska? I tell you, if you're there longer than 24 hours, the urge hits you. I don't know what it is, but it, it, people or? the urge hits you. To yeah. do what? Eh, you know. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, President Trump did carry the state of Nebraska. He was down from the 2016 um, election. Just FYI. Look, GLers, there's, there, there's an undeniable truth here. The left is not only good at politics, they work harder at it than anybody. That's what they do for a living. They've never worked at anything except this. They're very good at it, and it makes the job all the tougher to get a, an election law that everyone can agree with. And how can you, at the, after what you just heard from Dan, how can you dispute that this is what the open border crisis is all about, right? Are we all in agreement on that? Well, I, I don't know if it's all about, but it's sure going to have ramifications. It's a grand design. Yeah, uh, John, are you going to do the news? I am. I'm just thinking aloud, or not aloud, I'm thinking quietly. Mm-hmm. In other news, no, in news in general, Minnesota's <laughs> latest state budget forecast shows a modest increase from November's forecast, but still signals a possible deficit. We are taxed too highly. That forecast released this morning shows a current surplus of $3.715 billion. They'll blow that, John. That's up from the previous forecast of $2.4 billion, an increase of roughly $1.3 billion, according to Minnesota's management and budget. The MMB announced in early December they estimated the state's projected surplus at $2.4 billion. That was up by around $800 million from May. However, the office projected at that time that nearly all of its surplus would be wiped out by increased spending in the coming biennium if lawmakers don't make any changes. Well, today, the state's report still says spending is projected to exceed revenue through the 2027 fiscal year, despite making improvements to the structural budgetary balance. According to the report today, growth is expected to continue through 2027, partly due to higher collections this fiscal year that have raised the biennium forecast for all major tax types. The state says corporate tax revenue is showing the most change and spending estimates remain mostly unchanged from November. 
More than 1,000 educators from across Minnesota are expected to rally at the Capitol today as they demand better pensions. It's supposed to happen late afternoon around 4 o'clock. It comes as St. Paul teachers have set a strike date and several districts across the state continue to negotiate contracts with teachers. Several unions representing educators are asking for better pay, adding they believe it'll help the teacher shortage. Educators are calling for legislation this session that would improve pensions for not only teachers, but licensed staff, administrators, and superintendents. St. Paul City Council yesterday passed $45.1 million for streets and parks and recreation center projects. The projects will be paid for using that city's new 1% sales tax. Parks and recreation projects you mean include the least diverse council in the history of the world. Huh. That's them, mm. yes. Parks and Rec projects included in the budget include $31.4 million to address maintenance of park buildings, athletics fields, and downtown parks. It'll also include design work for future projects like the East Side Community Center and the River Balcony. The breakdown for the $31.4 million is as follows. $10.4 million to revitalize fields, play areas, courts, parking lots, trails, water features, and sidewalks in the park system. 10.4 for critical deferred capital maintenance needs. 7 million for implementing the first phase of Como Park Zoo and Conservatory to geothermal. 3.2 million to revitalize downtown parks. And 410 grand to advance design work for the River Learning Center, River Balcony Park Green Space at Hillcrest, and other projects. Huh. A crowd of pro-Palestinian demonstrators staged a protest last night in St. Paul, calling on Governor Walls to divest state funds from Israel. They assembled outside East Cliff, that's the Mississippi River Boulevard property, on loan to the state from the University of Minnesota while the governor's residence is under renovation. The mansion is usually home to the U of M president. While most of the protesters stayed on the sidewalk, some crossed over the picket fence onto the lawn. Those folks were arrested and detained. Minnesota State Patrol spokesperson Lieutenant Jill Frankfurth said about 100 people were in attendance. The 14 people who jumped the fence, 12 women and two men, were cited for trespassing. I'm surprised they knew that the governor was in residence at Eastcliff. <laughs> Would not have surprised me if they went to the Summit Avenue residence right. where he has not been. As the state sinks, God knows how many millions of dollars into that dump. Star Tribune reporting non-alcoholic beer flowed in the Twin Cities this dry January, with consumers spending more than ever on the beverage option that's steadily growing in popularity in the state and all around the country. Uh, this January, Twin City shoppers spent more than three hundred twenty grand on NA beer options. That doesn't seem like much, but that's an increase of 42% over January sales last year, according to NIQ. Nationwide, non-alcoholic beer spending increased by about 34% in 2024. Overall, brewers don't see dry January going anywhere, and they say they'll continue offering inclusive options, as well as wellness concerns continue, uh, as wellness concerns, excuse me, continue to trend and more people limit their alcohol intake. Slowly but surely, the uh, non-alcoholic beers are getting better. Yep, really. Slowly but surely, there'll be no more O'Doul's. Get rid of that swill. I just read a piece, oh, and I don't remember the large, but they're sinking millions and millions of dollars into a new non-alcoholic program for that very reason. Here? No, uh, I I, I don't want to. You might have read the Wall Street Journal had a glowing piece about an outfit called Athletic Brewing. That's it. That's the one and I read. They, oh, that's what I found. It's okay. just wonderful stuff. There's a former hedge fund manager, left the hedge fund business, found himself a brewer and said, 
let's take care of this problem. Huh. I need me a good beer. <laughs> I need something that tastes like beer. And Athletic Brewing brews a beer that tastes like beer, no alcohol. Got it. Cool. The longer version of this story also said most local breweries, not only in Minnesota, but everywhere around the U.S., are uh, putting efforts into having an N.A. Yeah. beer. Well, God love you, Surly. Uh, I, w- I used to be your, you've suffered a financial loss in my absence. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I really, I really loved you, but you have failed miserably on your efforts to come up with a, no, a non-alcoholic beer. It's absolutely dreadful. Not drinkable. Joe here for... Yep, that's me. Surly <laughs> beer. And I was a big fan of Surly in the red can. What about the Summit one? Uh, Summit has one called... Uh, Nialis. Nialis that Nialis. is not Nialis. bad. It's a contender. Okay. It's a contender. Did you ever try the Sierra Nevada, I asked you No, about. but I meant to because I saw it on the shelf the other day. Yeah, I'm going to try it. Is it an IPA? Not, it's an I, they have an IPA and a Golden. It's uh, called Golden Path or something? Or uh, trail Nature pass. Trail? Or, trail uh, Pass, I Got think. my scooter running or some damn thing. <laughs> IPA Trail Pass. <laughs> yeah. In national and international headlines, the Supreme Court yesterday agreed to take up the issue of whether former President Trump can be criminally prosecuted for his efforts to overturn the 2020 re-election loss, setting up a historic case that uh, tests the limits of presidential immunity. The court won't deal with it until April, probably no decision until summer. So the advantage would go to President, uh, former President Trump in this case, pushing the decision back until close to the election before there could be a case. Most legal pundits have said they don't see Trump winning the case with a number of both conservative and liberal law experts expressing surprise that the Supreme Court would even take the case up. Meanwhile, a New York appellate judge on Wednesday refused to halt collection of Trump's $454 million civil fraud penalty while he appeals, leaving the former president less than a month to pay the sum or secure a bond covering the full amount he owes. Judge Anil Singh of the state's mid-level appeals court rejected Trump's offer of a $100 million bond instead of the 454, although he did give Trump leeway that could help him secure the necessary bond before New York Attorney General Letitia James seeks to enforce the judgment starting on March 25. Vladimir Putin is warning the West that they're in danger of being nuked. He did that during his (laughs) annual State of the Nation speech. More than a two-hour-long speech. How about that? How'd you like to sit through that? I would not want to. I would say, yet. Yeah. More than a two-hour-long speech, Putin accused the West of trying to destroy Russia as he vowed to fulfill Moscow's goals in Ukraine. All of this coming about two weeks before the election, where, of course, he'll be re-elected with about 99% of the vote. Speaking before an audience of lawmakers. You think they need voter ID? That low, huh? (laughs) Yeah. They need voter ID to make sure they know who to execute right. in case they don't vote for him. Speaking, <laughs> speaking before an audience of lawmakers and top officials, he also lashed out at the U.S., claiming it's trying to defeat Russia and drag us, in his words, into an arms race. Tributes poured in yesterday from actors, musicians, showbiz types, friends of all uh, type for comedian and actor Richard Lewis, who died from a heart attack at the age of 76. Lewis, best known lately for his role on Larry David's Curb Your Enthusiasm, he and David were lifelong friends. A post from David praising Lewis on X. Lewis was uh, one of the new kids of stand-up in the 1980s. Much of his work focused on his own anxieties and his neurotic outlook on life. Younger comics posting yesterday talked about how he encouraged them and the help he gave them. 
Lewis also did some acting. He and Jamie Lee Curtis starring in four seasons of the sitcom Anything But Love in the late 80s and early 90s. He had parts in over a dozen movies and had smaller parts in lots of television shows. He was Again, brilliantly neurotic. He was brilliant. He was fantastic on Curb. Yeah, uh, yeah, he really yeah. was. I didn't realize he was 76. I thought he was younger than that. He and Larry are both 76. They were born three days apart in the same hospital. Yeah. Wow. For instance, there's, they were, what, 13 or yeah. 14? There's a uh, video clip of uh, Larry David and the crew out golfing, and he, he doesn't want to play into the guys. <laughs> if you rewatch that, when the guy gets hit in the back and goes, oh, and yeah. it falls, and then they turn around, like, I can't believe I hit him. It's just, they all say, you can't hit, you're not going to hit him that far. You can always tell, too, if he's a if he's a guy, based upon the reaction from people on whether it's social media or whatever. He must have been a great a great guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I I didn't realize, I guess I should have figured it out, a lot of these segments with uh, he and Larry David on Curb uh, were not written. They were improvised. Uh, yeah, they would sense. take one direction and just go. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. So. yeah, there was one where <laughs> they're at a party and uh, a guy comes up to Larry David and says, oh, hi, uh, Mike. Yeah, here's, I want you to meet my friend uh, Richard Lewis in the, in the Smike. I go, yeah, and uh, and he walks away, and David says uh, he's he's practicing silence, and uh, and Lewis apparently making it all up. Said, "What the bleep was that? Is the guy a mime? What what what?" Is? And and Larry David starts laughing, and you can tell that that Lewis got him laughing. He's like a puppet. He doesn't even have anything. He should take a puppet with him in his car to practice. <laughs> Wendy's says it has no plans to increase prices during the busiest times at all restaurants. Why is this all coming up? Well, the comments from the CEO, Kirk Tanner, the other day made it sound like they'd try dynamic pricing at Wendy's restaurants. And boy, did they get filleted over this. (laughs) They certainly did. What's that Uh, mean? They charge you more during rush hour? Surge pricing, yeah. Yeah. Surge pricing. What a bunch of BS that is. Yeah. yeah, prices rise and fall with demand using the business model. Uh, everybody's been using it from Uber to, uh, well, Ticketmaster's fleece concertgoers in recent Hotels are the yeah. worst. Yeah. God, I hate it. It should be the opposite. They should charge you more when there's nobody around. Well, see, and now Wendy's, that's kind of what they're saying. They're saying, no, we want to put up the digital boards not to charge more when we're busy. We want to give you deals. Yeah. When it's busy, so you well, can come in and, and buy. I got you know. news for the consumer. This is going to happen eventually. That was my reaction when I saw this. I mean, it, right now, if I go to McDonald's, for instance, to go get food, for, and this isn't me ripping McDonald's, it's twice as expensive as it was five years ago. You shouldn't even eat that crap. It causes brain Easy Mishki. Easy Mishki. Are they with us? Zip it. Wendy's? Yeah, no. no, I'm just I'm just saying Wendy's in general, this is across the board. This isn't any one retailer. It's just I everything's... love McDonald's. There you go. I think we were talking there Wendy's. Two years, Wendy's. buddy. Well, Two years, well, buddy. Well, Clem, where did you guys stop on the road? McDonald's. Uh, I said we stopped at a Hardy, the Wendy, Taco Spell. What about McDonald's? The Arby? The McDonald. 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 Taco Spell. (laughs) That's my favorite. Taco Spell. You know, for some reason, I just burst out laughing this morning, and I'm blaming you because I thought of this. Hey, nobody has on their podcast 
a guy that can imitate a college basketball coach from the 80s, okay? That hasn't been around for. But when you said, Anya Marks, I don't know why I... <laughs> Anya Marks. Well, that was his sister. Well, they honor, yeah, yeah, they honor her Is before that every race. sister? Yeah, Anya Marks. Well, then there was the guy, was it from Latvia? Vacha? Oh, yeah, what was that one? Vacha Eaton. Eaton. Vacha Ben Eaton. Vacha Ben Eaton. Uh-huh. Hey, uh, John, do you have the girls... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the U of M basketball score from last night. Ooh, John? How bad was I, it? I, I, it was one, 101 to 66 or Ooh. something like that. I like watched that. 15 minutes of it and thought, this is ridiculous. And I stopped watching it. She, it was like the Globetrotters. wherever she wants. Right. It's the Globetrotters against the Generals. Yes, it exactly. was so bad. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it's like trying to fight your older brother, and he just has his arm extended on your forehead, and you're just swinging you're away. Swinging away. Right. <laughs> only Pete Maravich is only Pete Maravich is left. And she's, what, 15 points behind him for the all-time ever male or female scoring leader in college. Yep. And uh, she's uncanny. Yeah, she's good. She must practice a lot. (laughs) There you go. There you go, champ. She stood in the driveway a hell of a long time when she was 10. After dark, even. Wow. You could hear that ball banging against the boards, and there are people down there in Iowa said that must be Caitlin. Mm -hmm. Caitlin out there. I don't know if people in Iowa talk like that, but where's she from? Southern Iowa. Where's she from? Well, Royce, he told us because he went and did a story on her. She's from Iowa. I know that. Uh, Hold on. I'll look at it. I got it. I'll look at it. She must have practiced a lot. You think so? Yeah. On the jump shot? Everything. She can do anything. She (laughs) She was Des Moines. She's from Des Moines. She can pass. She can shoot. She can do everything. Dowling Catholic High School. She's She's a fish eater. eater. What? What? (laughs) Wow. John, thank you. Where do you get the fish at the taco uh, just happened? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not know. eating that carp. <laughs> well, uh, take a break here. A bull, you don't want the bullhead sandwich? No. Um, <laughs> I will take a break right after thanks to their sponsorship of John Heights News, North American Banking Company. I got to go there later today to finish up signing some documents because we crunched the numbers. Listen, if you're tired of just being a number with your big national bank, I cannot recommend them highly enough. They take the time to get to know you, your family, your business, and they want to be a solutions-based company. And that's exactly what they did for me and my family, and they'll do the exact same thing for you. When they first opened back in 1998, they made a promise to deliver a better banking experience for their customers where you know your banker and they know you. And while a lot has changed since then, this commitment to being a true community bank in the Twin Cities, that has not. You can see them at any one of their six Twin Cities locations, Roseville, 50th in France, Hastings, Woodbury, Shoreview, and their brand new location over there in Maple Grove. And they offer the same online and mobile banking options as the other banks, but you are going to get the unparalleled service of a community bank. Visit their website today, nabankco.com to learn more. That's nabankco.com. It's banking done differently. North American Banking Company member FDIC is an equal housing lender. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. Uh, Mark writes about the events of yesterday in Burnsville. I was late for an appointment for the first time in my life. I knew that the funeral procession from Grace Church was going past my neighborhood east on Pioneer Trail 
to 169 South to 13 through Savage in Burnsville, but I was too stupid to look at what time it was. As I pulled out of my work in Burnsville, reality hit. All traffic was stopped crossing 13. As I drove west on 13, I turned my dash cam to the left so that it could pick up what I was seeing. People up on the overpasses in the cold wind with American flags. People lined the roads. Cars were pulled into the ditches and stopped in the right-hand lane to watch in video, not tape. There is no longer tape. The procession going by. When I got to Pioneer Trail, I couldn't cross the bridge to my haircut appointment, so I went east, then north and west across the bridge farther north. I then drove south, and the traffic wasn't moving, so I parked in a neighborhood and walked the last half mile or so to my haircut appointment 20 minutes late. The place I, where I had my haircut was on Pioneer Trail, where the procession was driving by, and the parking lot was full of people watching and video videoing, so I was glad I walked that half mile. There was one other customer in the place because no one could get there, and the other customer wasn't even going to try to leave. All of this to say, I hate Minnesota so much less today than I did a week ago. Maybe there is hope. Well, wait till you hear today's show. That's a positive Thursday, though. That's why I read it, Matt. Yep. Such I I watched the entire procession from start to finish, and... It really did boost my love for our, our people. Um, and I really hope the likes of uh, Mary and uh, the governor saw all the support that law enforcement had. I timed it, my rough timing, from the time the very first car in the procession got on Southbound 169 at Pioneer Trail to the last car getting on, by my timing, was 70 minutes. Wow. The um, We route. were wondering if the governor made an appearance, and it is our understanding that he did. Mm-hmm. He was at Grace Church, right? Yeah. 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 Correct. I drove leaving here down to Faribault, then over to my niece's basketball game in Byron. Between 3 and 5, I saw, I can't tell you how many different squads from all over the state driving that particular route. You know, who's your nugget guy when it comes to the Super Bowl? What's up, nugget? Now I'm going to be your <laughs> nugget guy for leap day. Okay. Oh, give me a nug. Give me a nug. Julius Caesar introduced the first leap year around 46 BC, and people born on Feb 29 are called leaplings. Did you know Hmm. that? I did not know that. The rules for determining when a leap year occurs are not simple. Every year is divisible. Every year divisible by four is a leap year. But every year divisible by 100 is not a leap year, unless the year is also divisible by 400, then it is still a leap year. You lost me. I'm done with that one. In Taiwan, it's believed the elderly are more likely to die during a leap year. For this reason, Taiwanese daughters return home on leap day to cook pig trotter noodles, a dish made with pig's feet for their parents, which is thought to bring them good fortune and health. In Ireland, tradition says that men cannot refuse a woman's marriage proposal on leap day. Perhaps that explains why the Irish men were so desperate, desperate to get smuggled into America. Le Bouget des Sapeurs is a French satirical newspaper launched in 1980 that is only published on Leap Day. Huh. Named after a comic book character born on Leap Day and claims the title of at least frequently pub- of the least frequently published newspaper in the world. Now here's another pig's feet one. In Greece... Eating pig's feet on leap day is considered good luck. It is considered bad luck for the pig. 
The Earth's orbit changes slightly over time, and in about 4 million years, leap days will be unnecessary. The calendar will contain exactly 365 days for a time, so we've got that going for us. Mm-hmm. It was provided by Tim, who does the Super Bowl Nuggets. Rapper Ya Rule, Dinah Shore, Cam Ward, famous Leap Day birthday people. What's your favorite Tony ja Rule Robbins? Song. Don't know. Him. Hmm. Do you know that uh, only because they come to us all the way? Dennis uh, Farina, Leap Day. Is brought to us by Renewal by Anderson. Now listen to this. Money Kiffin. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Steve Brule. We used to use a lot of Dennis Farina cuts on the show, remember? Yeah. Good morning, Mayor. Today, Feb 29, is <laughs> the one the day every four years when you can share the Traveling Lyman's extremely interesting This Day in History feature without fear of the crack GL staff berating you, saying these are the same historic events you shared just last year. I look forward to each podcast to hear these historic nuggets. In addition, since This Day in Minnesota is now sponsored by Renewal by Anderson, I would like to share our story. The CP and I had all of our windows and patio doors replaced by Renewal by Anderson in our Arizona home over the past year. The fit and finish that you have described is spot on, clean, tight fit, weatherproof, and more. The teams who do the installation are highly trained to remove our old windows and install the new Renewal by Andersons, taking great care to protect our home and leave it clean and dust-free. One day or less installation is typical. As you said, the window and patio doors are the highest quality on the market and fit tight, protecting us from the heat here in Arizona, just as they protect homes in Minnesota from the cold. They save on heating and cooling, not only because of the tight fit, but the high-tech glass and insulating layer of inert gases keeps the sun's heat and damaging UV rays down, too. But the greatest benefit in my book is the beauty from the inside and out. Our old windows were fogged, had bars running across them, and heavy sunscreens, all of which ruined our views. The difference is dramatic. We now have our views back. He sent me about 12 photos of their Mm. place in Arizona. The attached before and after photos tell the story. I consider renewal by Anderson Windows an investment in our home and will increase its value down the road. All the best to you and the GL gang. Proud member of the Royal Order of the 21sters, Mike, just a bit outside Phoenix. And in the summer, he goes to Duluth. That's your Renewal by Anderson for today. Go to RenewalByAnderson.com backslash Garage Logic or call Renewal by Anderson at 651-705-6931. And only because they come to us all the way from, uh, uh, look at this now, the Lyman's went away in. With the lake home front yard backyard discussion, as a former Lakeshore homeowner, I agree with you. Lakeshore is the front yard. Our lake home was on a peninsula with water on both sides, so I guess we had two front yards and no backyard. (laughs) On the February 27th (laughs) podcast, an emailer wrote about every homeowner drives into their driveway in the front of the house. Not true. Many drive in the alley, then their driveway, then the garage, entering the house in the back door. Tom Lyman, Lake Las Vegas, Nevada. Wasn't that Bill? Yes. It It was was Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just came undone. You've been chastised, Stein. I can't. uh, 
Oh no! Here it is. Yeah, you We're got gonna it. get her. We're gonna punch it. We're gonna be on. We can, we can talk okay. about it now. He can't hear us. Uh-oh. On this failure. day. On this day. February 29th. Yeah, it's been a while since you heard Two these. Niner. On this day in 1844, Al Cyber was born in Germany. I remember that. Cyber moved to Minneapolis in 1856, joined the 1st Minnesota Volunteer Infantry Regiment in 1862, and after the Civil War became an Army scout in the American West. He was wounded 29 times in combat and Jeez, was wow. killed during construction of the Roosevelt Dam in 1907. Huh. You know, you only hear that one every four years. Right. Right. Bring it back. On this day, <laughs> two, in two, 1868, mm. the first issue of the St. Paul Daily Dispatch was published. The newspaper appeared in various editions until 1984 when it merged with the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Ha. That concludes this day in history well, for another four years. Did you get us anything for leap year? I, mean, I didn't know there were presents involved. Yeah, you know, you like something. a card. I didn't get a card. Or are there leap day cards? Car. Hearty handshake. Uh, you have my fondest personal regards. Little arm something for the effort. Regard. Giving us Anything? one of these. Fondest Anything? personal regards. Well, after this thoroughly depressing episode of Garage Logic, if you can't get enough, then you should join the thousands of GLers who have found us on YouTube. All you got to do is just search for the Garage Logic podcast and subscribe for near daily content, including behind the scenes content, full segments, and video shorts. That's Garage Logic podcast. Oh. On YouTube. Time once again to check in with our guy, Mr. Money Talk. Josh Arnold is with us once again here in Garage Logic. Now's the time for you to do the same. So do not delay. Do exactly what I did and pick up that phone and dial 952-925-5608. That number once again is 952-925-5608. You call that number, you get Josh. And he is there for you for that free 48-minute financial consultation. And yes, you will always get straight talk. You will never get sugar-coated advice. And he's on the line with us once again here in Garage Logic. And today, Josh, I know you want to discuss the Fed, interest rates, earnings, and we got some news that Apple is not going to be developing that car, are they? Apple is not going to be doing anything with the car. And if people do remember, or at least my clients remember, when this was first talked about, I said, not going to be happening. I did not see Apple developing and manufacturing a car. On the other hand, I saw Apple looking at a car to dominate the dashboard of the car. You can design a car, look at the car, but your ultimate aim really is not to build the car because that takes a lot of effort to do, not only in terms of developing manufacturing, manufacturing partners, developing sales teams, etc., but to have domination of the dashboard through Apple Music, Apple Maps, other types of iMessaging, and particularly on that screen that sits in the center of your dashboard, that to me was would be big. But Apple right now has killed their electric vehicle ambitions. And to me, rightly so, it does free up a lot of capital and gives Apple more time, not that they needed more time, but more time and, and probably more expertise to push forward 
into the hot topic today, and that's not Taylor Swift, is generative artificial intelligence. And indeed, CEO Tim Cook has made assurances that sometime later this year, and my guess is before or at the June Worldwide Developers Conference, Apple will be coming out with their generative AI tools and products and services. And I would be willing to bet that the new iPhone 16 will incorporate a lot of these generative AI features and become a big seller. Right now, Apple has been trending right around $180. Not much or not many catalysts as we speak to push Apple up. Indeed, there are an awful lot of supposed negatives, including last week's 13F uh, filing showing that Berkshire Hathaway sold 10 million shares of Apple. People made a very big deal about that, and I do give a big but. None of the talking heads bothered to comment that Berkshire still owns 905.5 million shares of Apple, about, we'll say, 5.8% of Apple's value, making Berkshire one of the largest shareholders of Apple. And Apple still represents over 45% of Berkshire's equity portfolio. That, to me, is quite significant. As to the Fed, the uh, PCE indicator, personal consumption expenditures indicator, continued on a downward trend for 12 consecutive months. That was a big positive showing inflation is trending down. I still am of the belief that the Fed is going to maintain their higher for longer mantra with interest rates, and I don't foresee any cuts until May at the earliest. And lastly, just one earnings report, local company Best Buy beat top line and bottom line but did issue very conservative guidance, including talking about cutting staff. Have to put that one on the uh, on the sideline unless you're a very long-term investor. Very good, Mr. Money Talk. You heard him, GLers. Now's the time for you to pick up the phone and make the call for that free 48-minute financial consultation by dialing 952-925-5608, where you always get straight talk and never, ever sugar-coated advice. Josh, once again, thank you so much for the time and the chat. Have a great rest of your day, a fantastic weekend, and enjoy Leap Year, and we'll talk to you again next week. (laughs) Enjoy Leap Year. That is true. You too. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Chris Reavers is a paid endorser.